Good day. Recently waiting upon God, just reading the Word of God, a few things were highlighted to me that I felt I should just preach on, just share with others, hopefully helping uh, to make us more effective. And I've, I've entitled this Helps Towards More Effecting, Pre Effective Preaching. Um, I've preached on some of these things before. I'll preach on them into the future. But these are just a few that were highlighted to me more recently that I hope will be helpful for you. I felt that I should do this, so that's why I'm doing it. Um, and they come out of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses, I'm going to read the first 18, well, the 18 verses of 2, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Um, but before we do that, I just want to remind you that the Bible teaches clearly that we must be before we just do. That what you are is just as important, if not more important, than what you do. If you really are, then you will do. And you'll do well. I say this because biblical ministry is more than just preaching and, and preparing messages. And in actual fact, biblical preaching is more than just delivering a sermon. Biblical preaching. And I want to cover some of that and what that means in, in this, these two short 15 minute, 10 to 15 minute sessions. The message must be delivered through clean messengers, men and women of God, owned by him, that his spirit may be able to uh, empower his word in our own lives and then through our lives to others. Paul clearly teaches this in his letter and it, 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 to, to the Corinthians, and it actually just seems to follow right through this letter and in most of his letters. So let's read together, and I'm not too sure that you'll have the Amplified Bible, but you can read along in your Bible. I'm going to read uh, the first eight, these 18 verses here. Therefore, since we do hold and engage in this ministry by the mercy of God, granting us favor, benefits, opportunities, and especially salvation, we do not get discouraged, spiritless and, and despondent with fear, or become faint with weariness and exhaustion. We've renounced disgraceful ways, secret thoughts, feelings, desires and underhandedness, the methods and arts that men hide through shame. We refuse to deal craftily, to practice trickery and cunning, or to adulterate or handle dishonestly the word of God, but we state the truth openly, clearly, and candidly. And so we commend ourselves in the sight and presence of God to every man's conscience. But even if our gospel is, that is the glad tidings, even if our gospel is hidden, obscured, and covered up with a veil that hinders the knowledge of God, it is hidden only in those who are perishing and obscured only to those who are spiritually dying and veiled to those who are lost. For the God of this world has blinded the unbelievers' minds that they should not discern the truth, preventing them from seeing the, hum the illuminating light of the gospel of the glory of Christ the Messiah, who is the image and likeness of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, 
and ourselves merely as your servants or slaves for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of the darkness, has shone in our hearts so as to beam forth the light for the illumination of the knowledge of the majesty and glory of God, as it is manifest in the person and is revealed in the face of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. However, we possess this precious treasure, the divine light of the gospel, are like this in frail human vessels of earth. Why? That the grandeur and exceeding greatness of the power may be shown to be from God and not from ourselves. We're hedged in, pressed on every side, troubled and oppressed in every way, but not cramped or crushed. We suffer embarrassments and are perplexed and un unable to find a way out, but not driven to despair. We're pursued, persecuted and hard driven, but not deserted to stand alone. We struck down to the ground, but never struck out and destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the ability, the liability and exposure to the same putting to death that the Lord Jesus suffered, so that the resurrection, I love this too, so that the resurrection life of Jesus also may be shown forth by and in our bodies. For we who live are constantly experiencing being handed over to death for Jesus' sake, that the resurrection life of Jesus also may be evidenced through our flesh, which is liable to death. Thus, death is actively at work in us, but it is in order that our life may be actively at work in you. Yet we have the same spirit of faith, as he had who wrote, I have believed and therefore I have spoken. We too believe and therefore we speak. Assured of this, that he who raised us up, the Lord Jesus, will bring us up also with Jesus and bring us along with you into his presence. For all these things are taking place for your sakes so that the more spiritual grace, the divine favour and, so, and spiritual blessings extends to more and more people and multiplies through, through the many, the more thanksgiving may increase and redound to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not become discouraged until he's spiritless, exhausted, wearied out through fear. Though our outer man is progressively decaying and wasting away, yet our inner self is being progressively renewed day by day or day after day. For our light and momentary afflictions, this slight, this slight distress of, passing, of the passing hour is ever more and more abundantly preparing and producing and achieving for us an everlasting weight of glory beyond all measure, excessively surpassing all comparisons and all cal calculations, a vast and transcendent glory and blessedness never to cease. And since we consider and look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen, for the things that are visible are temporal, brief and fleeting, but the things that are invisible are deathless and over everlasting. Father, please help us now to understand your word and that the Spirit of God would just apply it into our lives and make us better for Jesus in his name. The, as I said earlier on, the truths that I'm going to highlight here carry right through this entire book, this entire letter. So some of the things that we need to become 
um, aware of or, or be reminded of. First of all, is found in chapter 4, verse 1, and that is our call to ministry. Our call is only through God's grace and God's mercy. As the Amplified Bible says, granting us favor, benefits, opportunities, and especially salvation. It's a high and it's a holy calling. But it was given to us through grace and mercy. We were no better than others. We've got to remember that as preachers. We've got to remember that as ministries. And especially in leadership, we're no better than any others. No more deserving than others. And so there's no room for pride and arrogance and boasting and self-promotion and self-importance, etc. And this ministry that God has called us to, I think that so often leaders forget. It has so many benefits and opportunities. Granting us favor, benefits, opportunities, and especially salvation. And that salvation is not only the initial act, it's deliverance right throughout our lives, right until Jesus calls us into his presence or comes back to fetch us. So always, can I just encourage you, always be grateful for the call of God in your life and all the benefits that come with it. I've seen parts of the world I would never have seen had I not known Jesus, not been serving him. I've met people. I've seen people wonder Christ. I've seen so many wonderful things, benefits and blessings that have come to me because I'm in ministry. And, and, and I try daily to constantly just thank God for that. And I'm asking you to do the same. Thank God that he's called you into ministry. Maybe you need to stop right now, press the, press the pause button. And just for a moment, just say, Lord, man, I've forgotten what a privileged life I actually have being called of you to ministry. So that's the first thing, our call to ministry. We are, it's a high and whole, it's a calling that is only through God's grace and mercy. But remember this, we're also Christ's ambassadors, representation, representing him. We're his mouthpiece, his voice to this generation and beyond. And if you were to read 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and I want to read that from the 19th verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 19, and just uh, through to verse 21, it says this, It was God personally present in Christ, reconciling and restoring the world to favor with himself, not counting up and holding against men their trespasses, but cancelling them and committing to us the message of reconciliation, of the restoration to, of, of, to the favor. So we are Christ's ambassadors, God making his appeal, as it were, through us, we as Christ's personal representatives beg you for his sake to lay hold of his divine favor now offered you and be reconciled to God. For our sake he made Christ virtually to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in and through him we might become induced with and with viewed as becoming as being in an examples of the righteousness of God. And so it goes on to say, so we are Christ's ambassadors. We're his voice piece. We're his mouth in a sense to generations now and generations to come. Represent him well at every level in your life. We're to bring reconciliation. Bear that in mind. Not division, not unnecessary division. Have a look at chapter 5 verse 18 of 2 Corinthians. We're to reconcile people to God. We're to reconcile where we can people to one another unless they're unwilling. 
So can I just urge you, once again, try your best to avoid church splits, stealing sheep, criticizing other ministries, etc. We're there, called by God, honored, gifted in this ministry that we, we have to represent him and to represent him well. So that's the first thing, our ministry. So this brings me to my second point. We must develop the ability to remain encouraged, optimistic and expectant uh, as Second uh, Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 and verses 16 tell us, which I just want to read to you very quickly. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, since we do hold and engage in this ministry by the mercy of God, granting us favor, benefits, opportunities, and especially salvation, listen to what he says here. We do not get discouraged, spiritless, and despondent with fear, or become faint with weariness, and exhaustion and he says this in the 11th verse uh, the 16th verse I should say therefore we do not become discouraged that is utterly spiritless exhausted wearied out through fear though our outward man is progressively decaying and wasting away yet our inner self is being progressively renewed day by day so this can only happen that we can only stay optimistic encouraged and, and expect, expectant can only happen if we believe that God is faithful. It's not too many of us have faith in our own faith, but it's got to be faith in God's faithfulness, faithful as he who has called us, who will do it. Um, Philippians chapter one, I'm just going to read four little, uh, three little, little scriptures to you about God's faithfulness. There's so many, the Bible's full of it. But Philippians 1 verse 6 says, Faithful is he who has called you, who will continue or perform it uh, until the day, or has begun a good work in us, who will continue it till the day of Jesus Christ. In 1 Thessalonians 5 24, it says, The one who calls you is faithful. Hebrews 10 23 says, He who promised is faithful. So, It'll only happen, we will only develop this ability to remain encouraged, optimistic and expectant as we trust God and, and believe with all our hearts. We've got to be convinced now, God is faithful. He just remains faithful no matter what we go through, what comes our way, who attacks us, no matter what happens, God is faithful. He'll always remain faithful. So this moves me to the third point of what I was highlighted to me. For this to happen, for us to be encouraged and for us to be able to um, appreciate ministry the way God wants us to, uh, we need pure uh, intentions and pure motives. Pure intentions and pure motives. I want to read again from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and I'm going to read the second verse from the, uh, the Amplified again. We have, this is what Paul says, and this is going to be the testimony of all of us. We have renounced disgraceful ways. Secret thoughts, feelings, desires, and underhandedness, the methods and arts that men hide through shame. We refuse to deal craftily, to practice trickery and cunning, or to adulterate or handle dishonestly the word of God. But we state the truth openly, clearly, and candidly. And so we commend ourselves in the sight and presence of God to every man's conscience. So we need pure motives, pure intentions, and God will help us 
if we'll just come before him and say, Lord, take my life, let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Let God take over, total commitment, total surrender, giving you our best, relying on the Holy Spirit and not on our own giftings. That's when God is able to give us pure intentions and keep us encouraged. Remember, remember this, we don't, only, we don't just work for him, we work with him. We don't just do this for him, we do it with him. He's involved in it with us. I just want to read to you 2 Corinthians chapter 6, quickly if I can. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, and uh, and the th verses 3 and 4. I'm sorry, I'm fighting out here. My Bible's just a little far away from here. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 3 says, We put no obstructions in anybody's way. We, we give no offense to anything, so that no fault, fault may be found and... And our ministry blamed and discredited. For we commend ourselves in every way as true servants of God through great endurance and tribulation and suffering, hardships, privations, sore straits, calamities. And so he goes on. We'll read some more of that possibly later on. But uh, we do this with him, not just for him. Have a look at Philippians chapter 2, verses 20 to 22 as well. Wish I could read them to you, but you leaders. And um, I'm hoping you'll take this seriously and go and have a look at the Word of God. So that demands total surrender to Him. Do it with Him. Remember that 2 Corinthians 6, 1 says, We're laboring together as God's fellow workers with Him. We're in partnership with God. So this room brings me to the fourth part of what I want to have to say today. And I'm going to do that in the second part of the series. So I'm going to switch off now. And may God bless you.